Father God, we just ask that your spirit would settle in here among us. God, I ask that it would be your words that are heard, that it would be your name that is proclaimed, and that we give you all of the honor and all of the glory. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Man, I cannot tell you how good it is to be among my people. This may sound insulting, though, as I think about it. We just came from a, a, a wedding, and there was lots of people from Canada there who speak two languages, and I barely speak English. And so I didn't really feel like I fit in there very well. It might be insulting that I say I feel like I fit in better here. Am I insulting the people? Now that I say it out loud, that sounds a little... I don't mean it that way. I just felt a little out of place, right? Because I'm a, like, redneck from a vase, so to be around these people that I'm not used to being around, there's times I felt very out of place. Okay. So I'm going to be in the book of Acts, um, chapter 1, if if you all want to turn there. Before I get there... um, Something happened here last week that I can't exactly explain. Um, if, you, if you weren't here last week, you should, you should go listen to the message. Uh, it's on Facebook, maybe Spotify. Is it on Spotify? Okay, we have, we have put it on Spotify, which is a scary venture, so pray about that because that exposes us possibly to a larger audience. And you all know the things that come out of my mouth. So it's, it's a scary thing. It is on Spotify under Cornerstone Family Fellowship. Okay, so you can search it up. I would encourage you, search it up. I mean, I see, this is why I'm not comfortable around other people. My wife is laughing at me. Um, I say that in all honesty because, because it was, I don't, I don't know, I just can't explain it. There was something different. And so... This week, in fact, starting Sunday after the message, before we left this building, my asterisk started getting kicked. And you have to listen to the message to understand what I'm saying. But like, like from Sunday to Thursday, it felt like everything was against me. Not my wife and my kids, but like, like the world was against me. And last week I asked, are you willing to get punched in the mouth? Are you willing to allow these things to happen? I, I, so I just want to say right now, just in case, you know, I'm not saying it was like the devil doing it to me because I don't like to give him that credit, but I just want to say right now that I'm not going to sit down. I'm not going to shut up. I'm not going to quit pointing toward Jesus. I'm not taking my foot off the gas. This is what we're doing. I am willing to endure that if I have to be willing to endure that. Um, you know, there's just lots of things that happen. And yes, I did slow down so that I said my asterisk was getting kicked. I was very careful. <clears throat> but if you listen to last week's message, that will make sense. Um, I'm going to read Acts 1. I'm going to read 12 through 26. And then we're going to talk about it. Sorry about my voice. I got some water. I did too much shouting yesterday and talking and not enough drinking water. So, then they returned to Jerusalem. See? I can't, I can't speak English. <clears throat> that was French. Then they returned to Jerusalem <laughs> from the mount called Olivet, which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath day journey away. And when they had entered, they went up to the upper room where they were staying. Peter and John and James and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, 
James the son of Alphaeus, Simon the zealot, and Judas the son of James, all of these with one accord were devoting themselves to prayer together with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and his brothers. In those days, Peter stood up among the brothers. The company of persons was in all about 120 and said, Brothers, the scriptures had to be fulfilled, which the Holy Spirit spoke beforehand by the mouth of David concerning Judas, who became a guide to those who arrested Jesus. For he was numbered among us and was allotted his share in this ministry. Now this man acquired a field with the reward of his wickedness, and falling headlong, he burst open in the middle, and all his bowels, bowels gushed out. And it became known to all the inhabitants of Jerusalem, so that the field was called in their own language, I can't speak that language either, Akaldelma, Dama, whatever. <clears throat> that is, field of blood. For it is written in the book of Psalms, May his camp become desolate, and let there be no one to dwell in it, and let another take his office. So one of the men who have so one of the men who have accompanied us during all the time that the Lord Jesus went in and out among us, beginning from the baptism of John until the day when he was taken up from us. One of these men must become with us a witness to his resurrection. And they put forward two, Joseph called Barsabbas, who was also called Justice, if that's not confusing enough, let's just call him three different names, and, and Matthias. And they prayed and said, You, Lord, who know the hearts of all, show which one of these two you have chosen. So take the place in this ministry and apostleship to take the place in this ministry and apostleship from which Judas turned aside to go to his own place. And they cast lots for them, and the lot fell on Matthias, and he was numbered with the eleven apostles. Okay. I'm just going to stop right there, and we're going to jump right in. I'm going to sort of take this. By the way, do you like this sort of connects me back to my roots using a trash can as my pulpit thing this week. It makes me feel more at home. <clears throat> I'm going to sort of start backwards and I'm going to kind of talk about this in part. And I want to talk about the way we choose leaders in the church environment. There's a lot of interesting things that I see here. Um, sort of different than the way I think we often do. And, and they sort of look at the group of people there. There's, there's always something interesting to me in this, is that when we think of this room, we think of the disciples being there. And they're named, but then if you, if you listen to that on, it says there's actually like 120 people in that room, not just those disciples, which is more the way we have this pictured. And it even says we have to pick from someone who's been with us from the beginning. And I think we oftentimes think that it was just that small group of guys that followed from beginning to end because their names have been so well entrenched in our thoughts. Actually, probably not. As I read 
those names, some of them we don't even recognize, right? There's really just a few that we recognize. Um, but there's something there that I noticed is that instead of, <clears throat> instead of them finding someone who is standing up saying, hey, look at me, look at me, pick me for church leadership. I'm, I'm qualified to do this. Instead, they looked around at the room at people who have been there from the beginning, whose names are not known, who are just serving and doing the work and being there. And they picked one of those. And actually, I have a, I have a question just to see, what do you think? When they, when they cast these things, they cast lots to pick, do you think Matthias drew the long straw or the short straw? <laughs> Really, I'm contemplating which one that is. Because if you've done very much ministry, some days it feels like one and some days it feels like the other. <clears throat> so, there's a few things that I want to say about there. Sometimes you're in this room and you're in this environment and you're serving Jesus and you feel unnoticed and unrecognized. Is anybody ever there? Sometimes you're, you're following Jesus and you feel like you're doing all the right stuff, but you're, no one's paying attention. No, it's not catching on anywhere, right? Has anybody been in that season? I want to encourage you not to quit. I want to encourage you. In fact, I was thinking about this during worship. Just myself. I'm nobody. Literally, I'm not like biblically educated as most pastors should be. I'm, I'm from a vase. I'm like a small town guy that works instruction. I'm not, I'm not anybody. And yet from my whole life, I've always been comfortable with who I am, right? I shouldn't say that. When I was jealous and angry, I knew that stuff wasn't right, right? But I never really cared what people thought of me. I was just sort of comfortable in who I am. And so when I become a Christian, instead of thinking that I needed to suddenly mold myself to fit some Christian mold, I was just, I'm just comfortable with who I am. And so did I change some things? Oh, absolutely, I did. But I just try and be who God created me to be instead of me trying to be someone else in church, like holding up Richard and saying, I have to model Richard because he's what I think a Christian looks like. And here's what I want to tell you, is if you will do that, the people around you will see that as authentic. We had somebody tell me last night, they, they said, how did you become a preacher? Like, I can't connect those dots. They've known me my whole life. They're like, but there's something about you that seems pure. And what they meant was not that I'm pure because I'm not pure, Right? What they meant was, I'm not that much different than I was before. And I wasn't there judging people who were drinking. I wasn't there judging people who were cursing. I'm just there. I'm not adjusting to their lifestyle. I'm there being who I am in that environment. And I'm just comfortable in that environment. And what I noticed, and I just told my wife this, because of who I am in those settings, I was actually able to share the gospel with someone yesterday. And I didn't even realize it till sitting right here 
And it's because I've been in relationship with them and because they just see who I am and they're just comfortable with me that he just asked me some questions and I just said the gospel's the most simple thing in the world and he's like, well, I'm struggling to understand it and I was always able because the way I do things is just dumb things down so that I can understand them to just give him the simple gospel. I don't know that it did anything. It's not like we prayed the sinner's prayer. I just want to encourage you in that moment that if you're in your house and it doesn't feel like your kids are catching on, keep doing it. If your family is like looking down on you because that's something that's going to happen, if your family is looking down on you because you're starting to change a few things like maybe your alcohol consumption or maybe the language that comes out of your mouth, I don't know what you're what your thing is, but if you're starting to adjust those things and your family members are pushing back, I want you just to be, okay, this is who God has asked me to be. I don't want you to go in there being harsh and judgmental. Just go in representing Jesus and stay steady and consistent and people will eventually see that you're serious. I also think that works here. I think if God has a calling on your life and if you have a gifting in your life, you're never going to have to stand up and say, hey, I'm a prophet, I'm a prophet, I'm a, I'm a this, I'm a that. Because if we're listening to God as a body, we're going to see it. It's going to be recognized. In fact, what I want us to be doing is I want us to be looking for that in people and speaking life into the giftings in people's lives. That is the only thing that ever happened with me that, that launched me into this. Was that people saw apart from that rough exterior and they saw some little bit of something good inside of me and it was just Jesus that was starting to glimmer out a little bit and somebody spoke life into it and then gave me an opportunity. And away we went. But here's the thing that I see in this is that I wonder in my mind if they got ahead of themselves. Judas is gone and they know Scripture says he's supposed to be replaced. And so here we are sitting around in this room twiddling our thumbs. Oh, there's an empty space. So let's fill this space. And how do we fill this space? Well, hey, casting lots always works, so let's do that. Not them not fully realizing what's getting ready to transpire. And was it really supposed to them wait for Paul? Because they have no concept that Paul is coming, right? And I think that what happens is, as we come into the church and we start trying to be who God created us to be, the problem that we run into is we go to old ways, old strategies, and old thinkings to try to have a new life. And so what we do is, if we grew up in church, a church that we didn't enjoy, a church that we got very little out of, a church that there was... Let's be honest, they were, it was dead. There were people leaving, not coming. It wasn't growing. It wasn't alive. They weren't doing anything in the community. But suddenly when God brings us back to himself, what we do is go back to that old way of thinking. We go back to that, 
indoctrination of the way to think and the way to operate and the way to move. I mean, that's what they did. Lots is what they do. So that's what they did. And I think, I want you to hear me, and Randall really inspired a big part of this message today because Randall challenged me this week. We're in a weird spot here. I said, I've said it last week and I've said it before. <clears throat> I think I said it the week before that I've got the altars closed. And I don't feel like it's me, I feel like it's God. And, and Randall reached out to me and said, hey, I got a problem with something you said. So I don't think the altar should be closed. Ever. And he said, I'm afraid that what you're telling people who need prayer, that there's nowhere to turn. I said, I understand. I understand what you're thinking. And he said, and I, I explained to him my thinking, and here's the thing, I sometimes forget, and, and somebody said to me this week, he, or it was last Friday night at men's group, he said, I want to know your thoughts on tithing because I've been coming to church for a long time, and the only thing I've ever heard you say about tithing is you mentioned tithing, and you said, I'm not going to talk about tithing because you all already know what I think about tithing. And he said, that's the only thing I've ever heard you say about tithing, so I have no idea what you think about tithing. <laughs> <laughs> and I forget sometimes that you're not inside my head, which, trust me, is a huge blessing. But I think part of the reason the altars are closed right now is to challenge me. Because the altar call at the end is my go-to. That's my, my thing, right? I mean, I do it every week, and so it's where I'm comfortable. And so now it's awkward for me. How do I close the service? But here's what I want to tell you is if you want prayer, what I hope we're creating is an environment where you don't need me to pray for you and you don't need this space to do it. God is just as real in the back of this building as he is in the front of this building and God will answer your prayers just as likely as he will answer my prayers. So what I want you to understand is this is a house of prayer. And so what I don't want you to hear me say when I say the altars is closed is that you cannot pray. What I want you to do is look around the room and say, that guy right there will pray with me and go to him and pray. Okay? That's what I want you to hear. I want you to hear that there's no more power and authority up here. The reason I like the altar call for giving your life to Christ especially is because it requires you stepping out in public and doing something. And in so doing, it challenges you. And I feel like right now, we are in that moment. We are in a moment as a church right now. On October the 8th, we're doing a baptism service. I'm hitting this again, right? We're going to do the two-fold baptism service. We're going we're to dunk you in water. And then if you want to be prayed for the Holy Spirit, we're going to do that. I keep saying this. I, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to keep saying this until we do it. That Sunday, there's probably not going to be a message. Okay, on that Sunday, I'm probably going to get up here and just shortly talk about the gospel and about baptism, and then we're going to have an altar call, and we're going to have a celebration. And I don't know how long we'll be here. I'm just going to be honest. But here is what, this is where I think we're at, is we're in this moment of waiting that you see in this story it's like Jesus has just said, go there and wait, and, I'm, and the Spirit's going to come. And that's where we are. We're here in this building, 
We're here in our lives and we're in this waiting. But what you'll notice is in this part that I read was that waiting wasn't just a passive thing. It says that all of these were together in one accord and they were devoting themselves to prayer. So they weren't just sitting idly, twiddling their thumbs, just waiting. They were still seeking. They're also in one accord, which that doesn't mean they were driving a Honda. Come on, somebody. A Honda Accord? Okay. That means they were of one heart and one mind, and they wanted to see one thing happen. That's where we need to be. We need to so desire to see God move in this place so that it can move, so that it can move out in us, outside of this place. Because that's what the world needs. So I just I just jotted down some thoughts. What are you doing as we're leading up to this? Because as we lead up to this baptism, here's what I think sometimes. I don't know if y'all have noticed a couple college campuses have had like church service and then huge baptism services. And they're like bragging this up. This one college, they baptized like a thousand kids. And I'm thinking, but were they baptisms or were they conversions? Because you could get dunked in the water and not really mean it in your heart. You could be get caught up in an emotional service and a like, oh man, all of these other kids are doing this. And so like, yeah, and we're going to do this. And then I even think after, oftentimes after that, churches just take people and dunk them in the water and then now you're on your own and now let's move on and let's find more people and do this same thing. And so my heart is great. I hope it's real and I hope it's authentic. But I feel like right here and right now, God is saying to us, I don't want you to make an emotional decision on a Sunday morning when all of a sudden the preacher gets up because I get emotional and I get excited. I know sometimes I'm not, sometimes all of the time I do that. And I don't want you to get swept up in some emotion and come and just get dumped in the water and it not mean anything inside of you. I want you to take this time to really be inside of yourself, seeking God. I love that song Elizabeth's been playing the last couple weeks that, um, that, that I don't even know how it goes right now. That first song she played, knock, seek, ask, watch the door swing wide open. In, in these few weeks, I hope that that's what you're doing in your life. You're seeking God. And you're saying, God, what do you want me to do in this moment? Because I don't want us rushing into some rash thing. I, I said this last week, and this is why, please go back and look. I think God's calling this church to a different thing. And this week I was thinking the, the really cool thing about the body of Christ and these other churches Sometimes I get upset with other churches because it seems like they're dead and you just heard me say that. I, I don't mean to beat up on something because a lot of churches are doing exactly what God has called them to do. And the thing is, they're an arm. And that church over there is a leg. And they look different than us, they talk different than us, but they're exactly where God has called them to be. And that's why I said last week when I read that verse, where the disciples are standing and Jesus went up and they're standing there like, whoa, this is cool. 
And these guys in white showed up and was like, why are you standing there looking up? That Jesus that went up is going to come back. Move on down the road. Stand where God has called you to stand. What are you doing in this season? This season is an opportunity. This season is an opportunity for you as an individual not to just listen to what I'm up here saying on Sundays, not to listen to the person on YouTube that tickles your ears and tells you what you want to hear, but for you personally to be in this word saying, God, how do you want me to respond to where we're at right now in history? How do you want me to respond to where this church body is right now in history? <clears throat> this is an opportunity <clears throat> for you <clears throat> during this time. We're, we're, now we're getting shorter time, right? It's not next week, but the next. But this is your time to start getting your heart right. This is your time, if you have unforgiveness in your life, to be working on that. If you have... Uh, let's see, I didn't write a whole lot of other stuff like that down. If you, unforgiveness, man, I mean, that's just, I don't know why that's like the big thing that I wrote down. Because unforgiveness gets inside of us and it causes tons of bitterness and anger and all of these things. I mean, I mean, we could say lots of other things that we have. That's, but this is your opportunity to ask, seek, knock. This is your opportunity to trust God. That's where God has me, right? God has me right now. I'm just being honest. I've told you that that baptism service, what we're going to do to me, that's God challenging me. That's God saying, you get out of your comfort zone. You've been doing this thing the same for so long. It's time for you to grow up and do something a little bit different. It's time to trust. For some of you, this is a time of rest. My wife and I, this weekend, we go down there to the lake and spend the weekend. We go down there Friday night, staying in a hotel, turning the TV on Friday night. We watch like 10 minutes of TV. She's just flipping through the channels. We got on some weird paranormal thing, not to watch it, but just accidentally where they're like, you know, like ghost hunters or something, like make this light swing. And Desiree's like, oh, I'm not watching this. And tries to change the channel and the TV just and quits working. And we never could fix it. It, it never worked again. So we never, like, we couldn't turn the TV on. And I loved it. I absolutely loved yesterday. We just spent a day just chilling out. I'm telling you, it was just really cool. Maybe during this time, it's a time for you to rest from the mindless activities that keep you from God. I will throw this out there. This is something that some of us did recently and we did a fast. And I've talked about fasting before, and, and I did the 40-day fast one time from junk food, which I know seems petty, but when you understand that 60% of my diet is junk food, it was actually a pretty big sacrifice. But it really wasn't until, I mean, it, it felt like it until I went three days without eating food, just drinking water for three days. I'm going to tell you something, though. Something shifted. There was something that happened in that three days that I, I, I just can't rationally explain to you. I'm not telling you you have to fast. Some people, for health reasons, can't. But I'm telling you, for me, I thought it would be a breeze. 
I'm not a breakfast eater. And just so you all, I mean, I don't eat breakfast and I rarely eat lunch. And so I come home and eat supper. If we eat at six o'clock, I eat all my food between six and midnight. Trust me, I take in plenty of calories in that time. But I just thought because I eat in such a small window, I thought three days is going to be so easy. I'm going to do seven. And that third day, my mind was consumed. by, And I have almost no sense of taste. But my mind was literally consumed by food. I did not realize how much it was. But when I went back to eating, and so what it forces you to do, because what you're supposed to do when you fast is focus on God, right? I will admit I did not do as good a job at that as I should have. But I want to encourage you in this time, that's what I told you, don't go back to the old ways and the old strategies and the old thinkings. Don't say, okay, during this week, oh, I'm going to go back to that Bible study I did five years ago and break it out and dust it off and go through it again. Not that it wasn't great and that it wasn't for that season, but I believe right now God has each and every one of us in a different season. Another thing that I wrote down was that in this season, some of you need to let God be God. Does that resonate with anybody? In other words, you're not God. That means if God is telling you to stop doing something, but you just enjoy doing it, it may be time for you to just stop it. If you are a person who likes to beat people in the head with the Bible, maybe it's time for you to stop doing that and let God be God, and you just be who God created you to be, and you stand where you stand and let your testimony and who you are speak for God. I, I, I like that old saying that we're all supposed to preach the gospel and sometimes we use our mouths. Have you all ever heard that story? I mean, I don't, I don't think it's a true story. But where the guy, he goes out to an island of like natives who, who are very hostile and he goes as a missionary and these the hostiles are very, they're gonna, they're gonna kill him because he's trying to talk about Jesus. And they say, here's the deal. We'll let you stay as long as you never say that name again. And so he moves in and he lives with them. And years and years and years later, this tribe of missionaries show up and they start talking about Jesus. And the tribe goes, Yeah, yeah, yeah. We know him. Come, we'll show you where he's buried. And this guy had lived so much like Jesus in their midst that that's just who they thought he was. Like when they started to hear about Jesus, that's just the dots they connected. Do you all know a Christian that would be like that? I want to be that guy. I'm not there yet. Another thing that I think God wants us to focus on during this time is he wants us to focus on him instead of how he will use us. I think sometimes as Christians we get so caught up in that, I want to do all of these things, that it's like God's an afterthought. I think that's why so many church leaders fall 
is because they get so busy and wrapped up in the, the image that they're portraying and the, the ministry and the, the work and the doing and the, all of these things that they forget to just focus on God, to just show up and rely that God's going to show up. That if I just, if I think it, I can't remember what pastor it is. Anyways, it's irrelevant. He said that the way he did his ministry is that every week he showed up and let God set him on fire because people showed up to watch him burn. That's all I do. That's it. I don't prepare messages during the week for you. In fact, when I'm preparing messages, I don't, I try not to think about you. Because if I do, that sympathetic side of me will want to round the edges down so they're not so sharp. <laughs> I want to deliver the message in a different way. So intentionally, what I try to do is just focus on Him. Because he's thinking about you. It's his heart that none of you should perish. And not just none of you. Do you know that last week I told you how dark of Oz is? Was anybody here? I talked about how dark of Oz is, and I believe that we've been called to be here for a reason. This week, right there, somebody fired a gun off right by that gas station. On the same day, they've got a SWAT team raid going on right over here because of a domestic assault situation right here in this community. Are you guys willing to just be present in this moment. To just for the next couple weeks, look, you can pick up your preconceived notions after the October the 8th. You can, you can pick them all back up. But for this next little time, are you willing to just be present in this moment and say, God, you do in me what you want to do in me. Holy Spirit, if there's something inside of me that needs to change, I want you to convict me of it. God, if there's somebody in my life that I need to forgive, God, I want you to give me the power and the courage to step out in faith and do that. God, is there an area of my life that I'm not letting you be God? where I'm trying to carry all the weight, where I'm trying to keep all the balls juggled in the air. Is there an area of my life where I'm not fully surrendered?
I mean, it was weird last week. Like, we went from the book of John, and like last week it was like, I don't, I, I mean, I don't know. Somebody came to me and said, what just happened? But that's the book of Acts. The book of Acts is a bunch of disciples who are still bumbling around, asking the wrong questions, looking at the wrong stuff, thinking the wrong things, and then the Holy Spirit comes, and all of those same people who were running from the cross, running and hiding, who were confused, they go from that to going and being beaten and flogged and imprisoned and rejoicing. And it was immediate. I think that's the moment we're in. So like I say, our altars are closed. If you want prayer, don't let that stop you from asking for prayer. We want this to be a place of prayer. We want this to be a place where you ask, where you knock, where you seek. But in this moment, as we go in to this next week, I want you to put your preconceived notions of the way God has moved in your life in the past, the way he's asked you to operate in the past. Put those aside and say, God, just up until October the 9th, I'm going to let you do what you want to do. I'm going to let you move how you want to move. I'm going to let you control my steps. God, right now, as we go into this last worship song, I just ask for your voice to speak louder in your people. I ask God that we would be a people that are willing to lay it all down. That we would be a group of people that say, I've tried the world and it doesn't work. I've tried to vote for a different president and he ain't fixing things. I've tried to control my family. I've tried to, I've tried to control work. I've, I've tried to be everything for everybody. I've tried to fix everything. God, I've tried to do the Bible studies. I've tried to be that proper Christian. God, would you just let us in this moment to set all of that down and just to abide in you. God, I don't have to be righteous because you are righteous. I just have to accept your robes. God, I ask that if there's people here who are struggling with forgiveness, that you would give them the strength and the courage to take that step today. That this week you would challenge and inspire them to step into that, whether it's calling, going to someone, writing a letter, whatever it takes, God, for us to clear that next hurdle. God, I ask that you would just clean the junk out of our drawer so that when October the 8th comes, we can come into this place free of that baggage, just wholly surrendered to what you want to do in that moment. That we can come together celebrating the newness of life. God, I ask that you move in your people. I ask that you show up. I ask that this week, man, that you just 
light us on fire, that as we go into our workplaces, as we go into our homes, that people can just see Jesus radiating out of the inside of us. I love you, God. I, I thank you for what you are doing. And I just love you for who you are. In Jesus' name I pray.